Breathe in spirit. Breathe out love. <laughs> Works both ways. I, um, I had, kind of like Fran, the last week has been a lot of sinus pressure <laughs> and sicky, sickiness, but um, full disclosure, I am a person who struggles with anxiety, and I had a lot of anxiety this week, like almost unmanageable. So if you're having a bad week, <laughs> If you, I know a lot of you are going through stuff and there's, you know, the world. And um, if you're feeling extra human, I am right there with you. And when I say breathe in love, I really mean it because I come in here and I feel the love. And I almost want to cry from that feeling, the power of that. And so I'm grateful that we're all here in this space. And like with any teaching moment, the hope is always hope that we don't leave feeling quite as overwhelmed, but maybe just a little bit more hopeful, even if just the tiniest bit. So I wanna read the reading, and I do have a sermon, but you don't really need one, to be honest. The reading is just that good this week. And so I wanna invite you to really tune in to this reading, <clears throat> and maybe treat it as a Lectio, which is a type of contemplative prayer we do here where we read it three times. I'm only going to read it once, but really receive it into your life, into your context, because it is a good, good word for us today. So this is Isaiah um, chapter 58, the first 11 verses. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day, they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast but you don't see? Why humble ourselves but you don't notice? Look. You serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your kin? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will spring up quickly. Your vindicator will go before you. The glory of God will be your rare guard. Then you will call, and God will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, here I am. 
If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will be like the noon day. God will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. We hear the voice of God through these words. And guys, I didn't even make that up. It was just already there. It was already there. Did you feel the power? It's because this text is a message of liberation. When I'm free, you're free. If you're not free, I'm not free. When we are all free, then we will know healing. And doesn't healing feel a lot like being free? And so this healing message is like balm to our own souls like the text says, seeping deep into our parched places, filling us, making our bones and hope strong again, nourishing us. But it's not just an individual message. It speaks to an entire people, suggesting a collective healing, a collective liberation. It speaks to the oneness of creation as God the creator intended it to be. This, right here, is why we do the kind of work we do around here. Despite people calling us heretics, despite the accusations that we are just too political, despite people suggesting we have watered down the gospel of Christ, we continue anyway. We continue calling out domination systems. Here's a few. Just a few. Every chance we get, week in, week out, we're not going to stop if you don't like it. There's lots of churches around. You could literally close your eyes and point, go walk in that direction, and there's a church that isn't calling out this stuff every week, but we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep naming these oppressive power structures because they have us bound. We name them. We confess the roles we play in sustaining them. And we repent through the work of dismantling them. We do it not despite our being people of faith, but precisely because we are people of faith. We do it because this is what the ethos of Scripture reveals to us, from the Torah to the Hebrew Bible to the life of Christ and the early church before it became its own domination system. As a whole, our sacred text speaks an unending message of salvation New life, what is to come, and what is to come is impossible without getting freed from what was and what is. So we need salvation, resurrection work, oneness work, peacemaking, whatever you want to call it. It boils down to liberation. And today's reading is a great snapshot of this ethos of liberation because of how God redefines the concept of fasting setting a standard that shifts the focus from observance to action. It is a shift that requires much from the reader, calling us to move from doctrine-obsessed inaction to what I'm calling ambitious fasting. Ambitious fasting. Now more than ever, 
it's important we make this shift because the stakes are high. The stakes are high and they will be high until every single one of us is free. Too many Christians focus on spiritual salvation, on this all fly away theological bent. And I'm telling you it's a cop out because our God, scripture tells us, is a God of not just otherworldly spiritual liberation, but entrenched in the here and now physical liberation, the kingdom of God brought to earth right now. So, years ago, because of this, I made it my pastoral practice to take the advice of theologian Frederick Beekner when he said, the daily news should always stand side by side with your Bible. Sorry. <laughs> This is how I prep for sermons. <laughs> I read our lectionary text or whatever text for the week we have based on the theme and I hold it in tension with the news. And let me tell you, this week was a doozy. Migrants and asylum seekers sent back to their deaths in El Salvador. We already know that's happening, but now we've got all this statistical evidence and proof of the actual numbers, unending political turmoil, I don't have time to name it all, but including another anti-Muslim travel ban and an unprecedented partisan national prayer breakfast. And if you're at all involved in or privy to the news in Baptist life, an entire seminary getting shut down because, I don't know, people just want to learn and think for themselves and not be bound by very specific doctrine. So I'm reading this stream of awful news, except I'm reading it side by side with our reading from Isaiah when God literally says, quote, day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness <laughs> and did not forsake the ordinance of God. And I wonder, who do we think God is talking to if not us? What time is God speaking into if not ours right now? I believe the radical notion of fasting defined in this ancient text has some divine truth to offer us today. When I read it, I'm given a sense of what is required of us at present. And I think it can boil down to ambition. The strong desire to do or achieve something requiring determination and hard work. Ambition is what we need to turn on and tune into because it takes ambition to continue the work of dismantling and reimagining. It takes ambition to be peacemakers. It takes ambition to choose hope over and over and over again. It takes ambition to be a part of making change, being salt, being light, and believing in this God of liberation. It takes ambition to move from our tradition of doctrine-obsessed spiritual observance and into a posture of ambitious fasting like the kind we see in Isaiah 58. Collectively, garnering our ambition is what it's going to take to continue forging ahead in these trying times. And so, it's really important that we direct each of our own ambitious energy toward spirit work and sift out the stuff of ego because it is distracting us and wasting our time. I've been thinking about this on a personal level for several, several years now. For example, I've especially struggled with ambition and its place in my life ever since I had a kid, became a mom. <laughs> On one hand, I, I want to direct my ambitions toward my family by being totally present with my child. 
I'm constantly worried that I'm not giving enough time or attention to parenting. At the same time, I'm so energized when I'm setting goals and working on things that are bigger than myself and outside of my tiny little corner in the world. And this constant juggle has led me to question my ambitions and how I decide where to direct my time and energy in light of them. And I've been searching for some kind of process to help me explore my ambitions, pour into the ones that are informed by spirit, let go of the ones that are only going to feed my ego. The concept's pretty simple, but the practice is hard. But recently I had an epiphany. <laughs> what if... What if we filtered our ambitions through the process of fasting? Ambitious fasting. To understand what this might look like, all we have to do is consider the practice of fasting and apply some of its concepts and results, the kind of results you get from it, to our ambitions. So, when we fast, we are practicing discipline. Discipline increases our inner stamina, our capacity to hold things within us, to carry things like pain and lament, but also joy and love and any number of thoughts and feelings. We are expanded through spiritual discipline. When we fast, we intentionally go without. So we are creating not just that internal space, but also physical space, space in time. We create space in our daily lives for things that matter. We become practitioners in prioritizing. A traditional fast, as defined in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, is done in secret. We take other people out of the equation. It is us before God, our honest selves, our motives, our desires, our ambitions, and a posture of vulnerability and humility. And then going deeper into what fasting looks like, Isaiah 58. Fasting involves doing actual work. Read the text. Fasting involves not harming others. Read the text. Fasting involves being actively concerned with others. Go back and read the text. What if we did the same kind of thing when sifting through our ambitions? What if we held up every ambition we had in light of the process of fasting? What if we created the internal space needed to discern spirit ambition from ego ambition? What if we, as practitioners of prioritizing, gave up directing our ambitious energy on things that aren't worth our time? What if we considered our ambitions in secret, meaning we made every effort not to ground the choices we make in comparison and competition? What if we asked questions about the productivity of our ambition? Like, are we helping the world? Are our choices helping people or are they hurting people? Are they helping our world? Are they hurting it somehow? This is just a snapshot of this process that I'm still trying to figure out, by the way. But it's meant to help us discern where our passions intersect with the needs of the world. When we can find that sweet spot, I think we're that much closer to fully living into liberation because we've put our own investment of energy into the oneness work of all people being free. 
And as a result, as the text says, and this is my paraphrase, we are continually guided by God, and our deepest needs are satisfied, and our spiritual bones are strong. We are nourished, and that source of nourishment never, ever, ever runs out. We are free. When I'm free, you're free. If you're not free, I'm not free. If you don't shine, I don't shine. <laughs> that last part is a quote in your guide from Amina So and Ann Friedman, who coined the concept shine theory about 10 years ago. It's a practice of cultivating a spirit of genuine happiness and excitement when your friends, this is a quote from them, when your friends are doing well and being there for them when they're not. It's a commitment to asking, would we be better as collaborators than competitors, with the answer almost always being yes. Many believe that the Lizzo song Juice is a nod to shine theory where she says, if I'm shining, everybody gonna shine. <laughs> it's the best part of the song and it's the first thing I thought about when I read our gospel reading for this week on salt and light. You are the light of the world the text says. And I like how it follows up with a city, or in Paul's translation, a town, cannot be hidden. Notice it doesn't say a home or house. It says a city. Just like in Isaiah, this salt and light gospel message isn't only an individual message. It speaks into our fullness, our oneness. So, on this journey, as we get bogged down by our own lives, and as we sift through our own ambitions, it's important to remember, when it's all said and done, we are a collective and the work of liberation is one giant collaborative effort. There's a lot we're waking up to, right? A lot we're unlearning. There's a lot of overwhelm right now and discouragement and compassion fatigue. I think that our collective ambition just might be one of our superpowers. And if we hone it accordingly, it could be a really savory, get it, ingredient in our recipe for liberation. This getting freed, getting healed, this flourishing of all people in our common home. The stakes are high. And they will always be high until every single one of us is free. This is what it means to shine, to be salt and light in our world. So my prayer is this, that God would give us all a healthy dose of ambition right now, enough ambition to choose hope over and over and over again, and to borrow from our litany this morning, which I love, that God would give us the necessary discernment to do the work of spirit, the energy to keep our saltiness, the fuel to maintain our brilliance, help us to stay connected to you, God, so that we can be sought and light in our world and follow the teachings of Christ and the wisdom of the ages. Amen.